Hello and welcome to the AP Top 25 College Football Podcast. I'm Ralph Russo, college football writer with the Associated Press. The early signing period begins, or began, depending on when you're listening to this, this week, and the transfer market is still popping. We'll merge the two and chat with Max Olson of The Athletic. He is the portal authority. The the conversation will steer a lot more toward the portal, but we'll work in some recruiting as well. We'll dig into his best available transfers, talk about some of the players that have already committed. We even had some news while we were talking about players uh, committing to schools, prominent players, and also where some of the other big names might be going. Plus, we'll look at the recruiting rankings heading into signing day and make note that they look a lot like they usually do as we begin this new NIL portal era of college football. Thanks for listening to the AP Top 25 College Football Podcast. You can find us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, just about anywhere you like to get your pods. If you like what you hear, please give us a good review and rating. It helps college football fans find us and helps us find more college football fans. And away we go. Joining me this week on the podcast as the portal and recruiting sort of converge here. Uh, National Signing Day is coming. Well, depending on when you're listening to this, it has either already opened the early signing period or it is about to open the early signing period. But the portal is also popping. So I brought on Max Olson from The Athletic, who is the portal authority. Uh, Max, thank you so much. Uh, today, yesterday, within the last 24 hours of uh, recording this podcast, you hit your top 25 available in the portal, which is kind of an interesting thing. Um, I guess we should probably just start there. How are, first of all, how are you, Max? As you said, the uh, portal be popping. Yeah, that's for <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's, it's a busy time. Um, I, I, I've enjoyed this so far this month, um, but but I can understand if, if people have a hard time keeping up, even if they're just following one team, because uh, it's a lot of a lot of comings and goings, a lot of transactions here this month, and then certainly uh, you get signing day, which I don't I don't think this has diminished signing day that much, but uh, man, there's just a lot of like imagine being on one of these staffs that uh, is on a bull trip right now and and is uh, trying to do visits and trying to do. Uh, uh, signing day and all that stuff, but what a what a collision we have here in December now. It's pretty obvious that this needs to change, right? That they need to get rid of this early signing period uh, in December and maybe either make it before the season or push it back into January. I mean, honestly, January I don't think makes any sense because you might as well just keep what you have in February. But I, I, this this December signing period. Uh, maybe I, I'm I'm overstepping here. I'm not like I haven't reported this out, but I think this needs to go away. No, I think that I think that you're making a, a good point there, and and like I don't know. So like, what do you? What is the most like tidy way to to, to improve that? Is it uh, an August signing period when they haven't played their senior year? Is it just pushing all this stuff back to February? I, I think you either eliminate it. Um, well, first of all, I love the idea of, and it's the old Rich Rod idea, and I think Bo Pelini had it, like, just you sign whenever the offer is, right? Like, you, yeah. you, you're both, these are two parties that are trying to make an obli- trying to, trying to make an agreement with one another, have them actually put skin in the game. And, and, and when you make an offer, you get to sign. Um, so you could do that. I don't think that'll ever happen. When they verbally commit, you say, okay, we'll send you the papers. Yeah. Just like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think that'll ever happen um, because I think that coaches like the flexibility of being able to sort of like throw out a bunch of offers. Um, yeah. And those would be, those would just be broken all the time by decommitments. Right. So, so there's that. Um, I think you could eliminate it, but I don't think that's a good idea. I think the thing is doing it before the, the, um, like August, and I say I understand people go. Well, you're going to sign kids before they play their senior year. Well, you're offering them before they play their senior year. So right. yeah, yes, that, that's that's. And most of them, the offers don't the offers don't change, and the commitments don't change. For the vast majority, we, we give a lot of headlines to the ones that do change. But the fact of the matter is, the numbers say that most of them don't change. So if mm-hmm. if the point is to get these kids who you know are really locked in and just want their recruiting because that was always the argument, right? Well, it's for the kids. It's for the kids. It's not for the kids. It's for the coaches. Um, yeah, yeah. 
It, it tilts in the coach's favor. And it, it, right now you see people have a lot of angst about the fact that we literally just have the draft and free agency and the playoffs all going on at the same time at this sport. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think it's good for the sport. I just don't think it's good for these things converging. Plus, you still have coaching changes being rushed along because of this confluence of events. So I don't like. I just don't think it's good. And I think if you're going to move the, the the season up a week, which I think we might, uh, get rid of this signing day, put it in August, have the kids who are really really strong uh, in their commitment sign then. Uh, I think it will probably force both kids and schools to back off a little bit on some of those early um, offers and commitments. That's fine. I I would kind of like to see, too, if the school is willing to sign you in August, I think they should be held to it. I don't think they should just be able to drop you in December. Yes. I mean, obviously, people want to make exceptions for injuries and stuff like that. Um, No. There's certainly some highly (laughs) rated guys that... I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't do I, it. I would, it's, right. No like, exceptions I, you, for injuries, only exceptions if there's a coaching change and then the kid gets the back or out. coaching change or whatever. Right. Yeah. yeah. If, if they can't get into your school, maybe that's a different sure. conversation. But like, but certainly like, I, I think that you should be held to it. Um, and, uh, and maybe that, maybe that's the protection you get. Um, and, and maybe that, you know, honestly, if there was that sort of guarantee baked into it, I think most guys would want to sign in August. So I don't think this is legal, uh, but maybe a lawyer could figure it out. When you sign in August, um, you also get um, you're you're committing for only the first year. When you sign in February, um, or maybe vice versa. <laughs> in other words, like make it a little more like a contract. If you sign in August, you are committing for at least two years. If you sign in February, you only get one, or vice versa. I haven't thought that out yet. Well, so that's interesting. Uh, look at us trying to just immediately solve the the NCAA's problems for the, for them to start this podcast. Yeah, exactly. Productive start. Yeah, uh, absolutely productive. Let's move on to uh, players because the interesting thing, of course, now about signing day coming up or the early signing period coming up is that in some ways, I, I, I think. Well, I'll ask you, Max. Are you seeing places where the confluence of the portal and and recruiting are are hitting? There's a confluence between the two, and maybe you see some decisions being made that are influenced by the other. In other words, schools saying, "I'm going to hit the portal for this p- position," and maybe a kid who I would have been recruiting decides, "You know what? Not for me. I'm going to find someplace else to play because you're jumping in the portal for my position." Yeah, certainly. I, I think that. I mean, obviously, like you look at the quarterback position, and you see, like for example, um, Dante Moore, one of the top recruits, uh, quarterback recruits in the country, flipping from Oregon to UCLA. Like if you're at UCLA and you know that, you know, you're replacing DTR and you need to go find that that quarterback for next year, like that certainly factors into the kind of guy you're chasing. And they took Colin Schley from Kent State out of the portal. I mean, that probably that that's certainly like the conversation you're having when you're looking at the quarterback market of you're like, all right, can we get this guy? And if not, who are we taking? You know, I mean, I think that, that those at a bunch of these places, um, you are you're trying to make those kinds of decisions about what do we need for next year and what do we need for the future? And then that kind of, a, you know, I use the quarterback example, but that's kind of applying at every position now. I mean, I think that, um, and that's why, like, I think if you're a high school athlete, you, you need to, you know, make that commitment um, or, you know, it, it, during your senior season uh, and not wait until this point in the year, because the demand is it just totally shifts once we hit December. Now, once the, the portal window opened on December 5th, and a thousand players become available, then um, you know they, they have they have to go investigate all those guys and get them on campus and bring them in for visits and stuff. And so then, and that's why you hear a lot of this frustration from high school coaches that they feel like um, high school recruiting is is um, being diminished by the popularity of the portal. And, and there's some truth to that because when when it comes time in, in December January to be making these roster decisions. You, you are literally deciding on with your spots, are we going transfer or are we going high school for these guys? And um, as much as you have more flexibility now to go out and add more than 25 in a year, um, you know, that, that that's going to be kind of the split at every school that you're, you're really curious to see how it shakes out here as you give them more freedom. Do they use those those additional spots on transfers or does this kind of hopefully balance out a little bit and there's still a good number of high school players getting signed? Yeah. And there listen, if you're a five star, I don't know where exactly the line is, but at a certain level, if you are an elite recruit and wherever that line you want to d- draw under what is elite, 
uh, and here's where the elite recruits end. If you're an elite recruit, you're going to be able to sort of wait because the options, maybe some of your options will will come off the table because of transfers. But the fact mm-hmm. of the matter is you will still have really good options. And clearly, as you go down the line, those options are going to become um, fewer and fewer. Uh, let me let me get to the list here, because um, first of all, let me actually ask you this. I don't know if you're 100 percent prepared to answer this, so I won't necessarily hold you to it if you need to, like if you're skimming through your your role, your mental Rolodex here. Who's the best player that's already come off the board? That you that you think uh, uh, out of the portal, the best player that's already committed. You got but, one, okay. Um, I think I don't I don't know. Like I I think um you know in the, like the really like premium guys, you know Florida State has picked up a couple. Um, Jeremiah Byers, the offensive tackle from from UTEP, and Jaheim Bell, the tight end from South Carolina. I think you can make the argument that Desan McCullough, the pass rusher from Indiana, who's transferring to Oklahoma, mm. he would be pretty high on that list of guys that have that have already made a decision. But there's not really, like you know, there's not really those guys necessarily at, at this point that you'd say like, oh well, that guy would be number one right now if he were available. I think there's still pretty everybody's kind of pretty much out there, and that that includes you know obviously at the quarterback position, we're kind of waiting for these guys to you know, make their decisions. I think Dorian Singer, the Arizona receiver who led the Pac-12 in receiving yards this season, he committed to USC yesterday. He would be high on that list, but there's not really the guy that you're like, you know, maybe other than maybe McCullough that you're like, that's really like a a five-star kind of portal guy. Yeah. So at the top of your list of who is available is Travis Hunter, Jackson State, who was the number... Oh, I should say Josiah Stewart from from, uh, Coastal Carolina, the pass rusher who is going to Michigan. He would have been in my top five for best okay. available until he committed on on Sunday, I believe. So yeah, he that would be another one that would be high up the list for. And me. and Michigan is in the um as uh, you know among the schools that has had a, a done a lot of work early, a lot of good work early. Josiah Stewart, they uh, landed another offensive lineman who they think is going to be a plug and play. And now I'm forgetting who it was. They've landed three offensive linemen now, out of the which, portal, which, which is, as you know, because you cover this stuff, is hard. It's hard to find offensive and defensive defensive linemen. The toughest thing to find but offensive linemen is a little tough to find so if you can scoop up you know a few offensive linemen who's the best of that bunch for Michigan yeah you know so they took Ladarius Henderson uh, an experienced starter at Arizona State uh, first and then they took a a duo from Stanford uh, Drake Nugent and Miles Hinton um, who obviously hit the portal after the coaching change there and it's a it's pretty interesting considering that you know this is the group that has won back-to-back Joe Moore awards Obviously, um, the, the the center they took from Virginia last year, Olu, was an All-American um, and, and a, just a phenomenal take, one of the best players in the portal last year. So, um, you know, smart of them to get these done early. And it, it's interesting, too. I mean, Michigan's just been so impressive to me. I mentioned Jos- Josiah Stewart already. They also took uh, Ernest Hausman, the, the freshman linebacker from Nebraska. And, and I think there was a perception maybe going into this year that Michigan, just based on like its recent history, can kind of only take grad transfers, that maybe it's a little bit tougher to get into for the undergrad transfers. But um, yeah, they've been able to take a couple in this cycle. And uh, man, they are, I, I would say that's probably the one I've been the most impressed by so far, just in terms of the haul that they've had out of the portal here in just a few weeks. Right. And that's a team that, you know, again, they might be done or, or, or for the most part done, but they've already, again, landed quite a haul that will probably rank among the better in the country, no matter what the other teams do, just because of the positions they landed and, and some of the high profile players within those, um, within that hall, so to speak. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, number one on your list is uh, Travis Hunter from Jackson State, who was the number one, you know, on some boards, the number one overall recruit in the country last year. Just a little backstory, right? Lands at Jackson State, was supposed to go to Florida State, and was sort of, you know, one of the momentous moments of Deion Sanders' tenure at Jackson State was, oh my God, he's good en- he's a good enough recruiter to get this kid to go to uh, an FCS school in the SWAC. Um, I, Wouldn't you say that that, that moment – is a big factor in why Deion Sanders is the Power Five head coach today. I think I think as as much or more so than probably a, a, the number one piece. Uh, you know, I don't know if there's if I if I would rank them, but yeah, it's a huge piece of it. I mean, it's one thing to be successful at that level because there's a lot of coaches you know who who have had success in winning games at that level, but to bring in this level of player. 
this is the player you want at a power five school, right? So once you show sure. me that you can recruit this player to a non power five school, that would make me believe that you can get this player and others like them to power five schools. Yeah, I, I think that 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 was definitely like some pretty powerful proof of concept for Deion Sanders that he can get um, he can get some really premium guys to come with him and of course those guys are now in the portal um and you know will will all of them follow him yeah, to Colorado I, I I'm think not that's sure the all question will. yeah I think that's yeah, the question that's... right or, or is it just a, it's I mean obviously his son will be there uh and his two sons I should say will be there but the question yeah. I think will be there's like seven or eight Jackson like prominent Jackson State guys they got a pretty good offensive lineman Tyler Brown I think his name is who I know mm-hmm. jumped in the portal the other wide receiver Coleman who was a four-star recruit I, I think the question is exactly like, do you think all of them end up at, at Colorado? The, the, this is like Colorado probably is the, the the perfect example of how wild these these times are right now because um, you they are going out and they're trying to bring in a ton of high school players right now. And, and, you know, obviously highly ranked high school players. They're trying to bring in a ton of guys in the portal and they're trying to bring a ton of their guys from Jackson State. Like, I think by the end of this month, the 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 sheer amount of like quality and quantity of players Colorado is going to try and bring in here by the end of this month is going to be pretty amazing. Um, and that's just that's just what you can do now. You know, obviously, um, the the ability to bring some players with you from your last stop. I think we're seeing that more and more now. And uh, you're not surprised, obviously, that these guys from Jackson State would want to follow him to to Colorado if they have the opportunity. And uh, you know, for some of these players, I think Travis Hunter. I, you know, he's like, like this, the Sanders brothers, I don't have them on the, the best available list because I, I'm pretty sure they went to the press conference, right, Ralph? I, <laughs> yeah, I think those yes. guys are pretty, pretty I mean, he said, this is your quarterback, right? When he, <laughs> I would say these guys are not, those guys are not available at the moment, even though they're in the portal, but Travis Hunter is one that um, is, is going to be a, a, just a, a totally fascinating recruitment because why wouldn't Georgia or USC or Alabama or any of the schools that wanted to sign him a year ago, like why wouldn't they come in and, and, and try to make him an offer he can't refuse and, and tell him that they can do so much more for him and his his professional development as a potential first round draft pick um, than playing for, you know, a rebuilding Colorado team can. I, I, I think that recruitment, I don't think that that one, I wouldn't be like, wouldn't be shocked if he ended up in Colorado, obviously, but uh I think this, you know, even from from Sunday night um, when he he made his announcement, uh, this, is a, this is a guy that is going to explore his options and he's going to have, uh, you know, better options than anybody, which is why he's number one on my my best available list right now. Let me let me again take you off on a little bit of a tangent here because I know you talk to a lot of personnel people uh, and we talk about how NIL influences this space for obvious reasons, just like it influences recruiting. Um, are is there a sense yet, a common belief yet about whether NIL is having more influence in the high school recruiting space or more influence in college in in the recruiting out of the portal? Um, I mean, the answer is yes. <laughs> the answer is right. yes. It's influencing them both a bunch, and I think that. Um, Certainly, like once we hit December and these guys start becoming available or you hear, you know, rumors that guys are, are, are could be entering the portal here and stuff like that. I think uh, you, you do see the NIL money shift, shift a bit in that direction. And to be honest, Ralph, like, isn't that a better investment? I mean, like, you, you know what you're like, obviously, the this has been the conversation a lot around yeah, this I mean, among coaches like, and, and everybody really is like, where is the money best spent? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that we we will come out of this period. I mean, and look at the number of, you know, not not to, uh, you know, not to I'm not trying to make any allegations or anything like that. But I mean, like you just look at A&M's, you know, number one ranked recruiting class and you know that not every single one of those guys is going to stay in your program for four years. And they've had a lot of attrition this offseason. And I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to make some point about how they got those players. I'm just saying that, like, Obviously, you're going to have misses with high school recruiting and you're going to have some really premium guys who think it sounds like a good idea to come to your program. And then six or 12 months later, they want to go somewhere else. And so is the money that that you might have to spend to sign those guys, you know, what's the ROI on that? I think you feel probably in talking to the folks, I'm, you know, the, at least the, the few that have the, the money to be competitive in this space. Yeah, like if you if you're trying to bring a, a guy in for one year 
and he's got college tape and he's got college accolades and, and experience and stuff like that. And you know exactly what you're getting and you're plugging him into this this spot to fill a need. I, I would think those guys are, are you know, I think the Jordan Anisons of the world should should probably wor- be worth more money than, uh, you know, the top 100 recruits, I would think. So number two on your list, and this allows us I, to get- I shouldn't say more money, but I think, you know, in terms of like on, on a per year basis, like that, if you're just trying to bring in a guy for one or two years, like that's probably... Probably not a bad way to do things. Don't you think? I, I, it just seems like a safer investment to me. You're dealing with more mature kids who know exactly what they want. Ex- exactly as you said, they're most likely coming over for only one or two more years. Um, I, I just, I just think, yeah, the top end kids are have different. Now they may want to get theirs. They may want that bag. But they also have different priorities in mind because they're also looking at the next step and looking at where their development is and how your your system can help them develop to go to the mm-hmm. NFL, which no matter what the NIL money looks like, if you think you're a first-round draft pick or the potential first-rounder or just a, a, a high-round draft pick NFL player, that's more important in the long run. Your development for the next level is going to be worth a lot more than – the you know whatever the nil deal is in in college to keep you around for a year or two which again sort of brings me to devin leary nc state quarterback is number two on your list and it sort of opens up this idea of quarterbacks and who's in the portal who's not who's staying Mm -hmm. who's who's leaving uh for as a pro i i like leary I find this entire quarterback class maybe because maybe because of last year with Caleb, yeah. You know, I don't know how often that player is going to end up in the portal. You know that this this guy who could be the number one overall draft pick, like a guy who is an elite quarterback, is going to end up in the portal, an elite and somewhat fully formed. Like we had already gotten a really good taste of what Caleb was, right. Um, Right, we didn't know what Quinn Ewers totally was at, at at this time last year when he went in. Exactly. Know? So with with Leary, very very good player, but we've also seen his his highs and his lows. We've seen his warts, and I think for a lot of the quarterbacks in this class, we've sort of seen that. I, I find myself thinking like, yeah, that that guy would be a, an improvement overall for a lot of schools, but but he ain't Caleb, <laughs> which is of course not fair. Um, right. Anyway, I, I guess. Not just talking about Devin Leary, but talking about this entire quarterback class. I'm interested to see how this plays out, and I also, again, I find myself wondering like how many of these guys are major difference makers as opposed to just like improvements over on what we have. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's well said, and it's probably worth pointing out that you know Caleb Williams was not in the transfer portal. Um, until after the Alamo Bowl last year. And, and Jackson Dart was not in the transfer portal until um, January. And, you know, I think there's so so you're certainly kind of wondering who else is is coming here um, in, in the near future. And, and there's been, you know, there's been some names and we re- reported this last week, but like there's there's names like Sam Hartman and Michael Pratt from Tulane um, who they have bowl games coming up and people are wondering, are they going to make a move after those bowl games? Um, they, they, those, there are some guys out there that certainly, you know, Drake Mays announced he's coming back to North Carolina, but, but there are some, some guys out there that trust me, collectives are talking about these guys and what they would pay if, if those guys hit the market. And so you're interested to see kind of who else is coming. Um, I don't, I don't know that there is a Caleb Williams of like of, of that kind of, you know, <laughs> instant Heisman, you know, playoff contention kind of guy necessarily, but this group is, um, you know, there's there's experienced passers out there. And, you know, Ralph, to go back to the, the what we just talked about, too, um, wrote about this last week. But you think about the opportunity for some of these players that are that are going in the portal. Um, you know, a Devin Leary before his pec injury that knocked him out for the second half of this season, he was considered like a day three guy in the draft. And so. Obviously, he's trying to come back and improve his draft stock and stuff like that. But some of these players that like could go pro, I think you can make the argument that if you're going to be a late round draft pick and and maybe even potentially like a practice squad guy next year, you probably could make more money by going in the portal and going somewhere else for, for your one extra year or two years or whatever. Yeah. You probably make more money if these collectives are throwing around the kind of money they claim to be or are alleged to be thrown around for quarterbacks. Like you, you might make more money next year as a college quarterback than you could as, you know, the third string guy or practice squad guy on an NFL team. So the, these guys like Devin Leary, who 
you know, are on the radar for um, schools like Auburn and Kentucky and stuff like probably going to end up in pretty good shape next year. You know, a Spencer Sanders who's, who started for four years. At That's a place, exactly the guy I was going to bring up, you know, like what, what probably not, not a lot is despite his experience and production, like probably not a lot of guarantees about how the draft and, and uh, camp and all that stuff is going to go. Like, you have a chance to end up in maybe a maybe a pretty good spot to to uh, make some money for your future by by going in the portal and and uh, and going to one of these schools that um, has has maybe like a one year need at quarterback. Yeah, the the guy who's come up in this conversation though, I think he's probably better situated for an NFL draft than than Bo, than Spencer Sanders is Bo Nix, who's decided to return to. Yeah. Um, Oregon for a fifth season because he had the COVID year to come back, and he clearly wasn't going to be a day a, a first round pick. Day two might have been a little bit of a stretch, but you never know. He's a good athlete, and he could have blown up a combine. But from what I've heard, and this is just talking to a, a, a somebody who covers Oregon, they were just like, "Listen, the guy's super comfortable out there. His wife really likes it out there. Obviously, he's going to make some money." Um, so, you know, you end up with that decision of like, and maybe you come back next year. Now you have a different offensive coordinator, but things worked out pretty well. And maybe one more good year to balance out the three very up and down years you had at Auburn does maybe nudge you into the, you, maybe you see a path there to get to second round or even the very bottom of the first round. I think Michael Penix is probably a guy who's looking at it like, you know, I'm mid-round. If I come back, you know, I, I haven't had a ton of great tape because my time at Indiana was mostly spent being injured. So I think there's those decisions too. And having some money to 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 also back up that decision I, I, makes it a more interesting decision for some of these well, guys. Only, right? You know, you look at last year's draft and, and among FBS quarterbacks, only eight of them got picked. So it's not, I mean, there, you, you can probably, you know, at this point in the year, I know it's hard because you've got agents coming after you and, and people are making you promises that, Oh, you know, you can play your way into this spot in the draft and things like that. But um, there's, there's not really a lot of guarantees and like a, a Brock Purdy. Yeah. He's, he's thriving right now, but he just as easily could have been a practice squad guy for somebody else and and not really making that much money and stuff. So like, I think that, uh, you know, I, I think the opportunity here, um, you know, and I've heard that from talking to, to uh, one staffer in the SEC, who was like, yeah, there's probably more money to be made right now in the portal than there is being that that, you know, backup in the NFL, which you still have a chance to do that a year from now. And I think, yeah, you're right. Bo Nix is a great example of who like who's in a better position to to leverage what they've done so far and and uh, and really uh, make a lot of money in 23 than 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 Bo Nix or, or, or these guys that. Um, you know, we think very highly of, but you know, you, you just, it's hard to know like how much you can trust what you're hearing in, in terms of the draft evaluation at this time of the year. Yeah, it goes for every position, but I also, one of the things I try to emphasize to people when they're, cause I don't know if, if fans think about it this way. There's also, uh, I think when kids determine whether they should stay or, or enter the draft, and we see a kid who jumps in and like, hey, that's not that guy's not going to be a first rounder. That guy's not even going to be a second or third round. What is he doing? Well, that kid also may have. First of all, you know, maybe college is just not their thing. Uh, and but second of all, there also is a point where it's like, hey, man, I'm not getting any bigger. I'm not getting that yeah. much faster. Like this is who I am. I have had a good season. So. Maybe, you know, I'm going to be a fourth rounder next year and the year after or a fifth rounder the year after that and the year after. I can keep coming back to college, but I'm still going to be a fifth rounder. So let's go get a job. So I, and, and, right. and that that happens at a lot of positions at quarterback. I get just because of what you said, the, the sheer volume of them just don't get picked at the same level as corners and receivers and things along those lines. So I think that piece of the equation gets worked in and causes a little different decisions about maybe for a quarterback and again because a quarterback probably can leverage more money at the as far as NIL at the college level the quarterback decisions are going to be a little different I want to I want to oh, sure, I no. do want to ask you about one guy one guy that you you are you, you you've spent a lot of time thinking and and talking about and writing about and stuff so the, as as the kind of the, the dominoes haven't really started falling yet at the quarterback position, but I, I am just kind of taking note here. Okay. So Bo Nix has come back to Oregon. Um, Jack Cohn, or excuse me, Jack Cohn, why I say that? Uh, Drew Pine uh, committed to Arizona State yesterday. Uh, UCLA got Dante Moore and Colin Schley, like I said. Um, 
where's DJ going? Yeah, that's an interesting one because now clearly UCLA was the one that people had sort of honed in on because he's from Southern California. But clearly now that's off the board, right? Because they have their they have their insurance policy if Dante Moore doesn't become the starter as a freshman, right? Right. I mean, Cal's recruiting transfer quarterbacks, but I I don't think DJ is one of them. Obviously, Oregon State's one that everyone points to as as being in the market for, uh, you know, maybe being one quarterback away from from really being in great shape next year. Um, Maybe that was lazy of us just to think, oh, he'll end up on the West Coast somewhere or whatever. But like those kind of opportunities, it, it hasn't really hasn't really seeming to seeming to like break that way. So I'm I'm wondering, is there a, you know, you know, uh, the one that a, came, a Wisconsin or an SEC school is it who, like who is it out there that that kind of fits for him? So the one that came to mind for me initially, and I was sort of talked off of it by someone who you know has a little information was Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, but now you know that the you know I've been told that might not be a that might not be a fit there. Notre Dame's clearly maybe that's why you were thinking about Notre Dame because they lost one, and the reason yeah. why Pine yeah. is because that they have told they told Drew Pine we're going into the portal, right? We we have Tyler Buckner, and I think that they they think that Buckner could have you know could be a starting quarterback. He was their starting quarterback, but they basically said we are going into the portal. So that gave Pine the impression that now he's in a three-way battle as opposed to just going Arizona State and finding mm-hmm. a place where he's got a better chance to start. Yeah, I, you know, so for some reason the and, first— And I don't know, Notre Dame, that, that might be Hudson Card. That might yes. be one of these guys like Hartman that's not in yet. I, I'm curious to see what the move is there. But, yeah, I don't think it's going to be DJ. Somebody told me Card possibly at Cal— now that seems the way Cal's offense has been run in the next couple of years. That that doesn't make much sense. But I don't know. Like Jake Spavital, is there some relationship there? He's the new Cal offensive coordinator. You know, again, this is very, very speculative. Right, Just you know, right. sort of like you start drawing dots, you know, connecting the dots um, as as sometimes we do. No, it, but that's kind of how this that's kind of how this will be. To be honest with you, I oh, think yeah, when, that's how the, a lot of these decisions Florida get made and in that when way. Notre Dame and when Kentucky, when some of those schools. Um, get their guy like that. That is, it's kind of process of elimination for the others. Isn't John Rice Plumley? I think is coming back to U- UCF, if I remember correctly. Um, mm. or, or I don't, well, maybe he can't be. I don't even know how many years. Because the only reason why I say is like I'm thinking with DJ, like what? Where's an offense where you run the quarterback, but can also throw enough that maybe? Because that's the other thing too. Like if you're DJ. People have really focused he, on Plum, his... Plumley is returning. That's okay, right. so maybe not UCF for for DJ um, heading into the Big Twelve. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know if there's an obvious there's an obvious one that's screaming at me here, um, but but I would think somewhere within the SEC ACC footprint, you know, head over to the Big Twelve. It's funny, you start like Vir- at Virginia's teams. already taken a transfer. I guess there's the Tony Elliott connection. Like we're just kind of you know, grasping what, what here is a little K- bit. What is to... Kansas? You know, I, I think of like DJ and Kansas State's offense might be interesting, <laughs> right? Well, um, I mean, you know, Will Howard let him do a Big Twelve title. So, yeah, and I, mean, I know he's done all right with that guy. I, I yeah. think I think he's done. I think Will Howard's done. But again, like it's, again, it's so hard. No, to no, think. he's 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 coming back. Oh, yeah. he is coming back. Okay, I wasn't yeah. sure. I know he's been there a little bit, even though he hasn't played a lot. But I feel like, again, it's, it's so well, hard that, to keep that's, up that's because these quarterbacks have been there like, for so, so long. So is there somebody who is like, well, we'll drop our guy to get him, right? Like that. I mean, that happens, right? Like there's going to be sure. some of those cases that that could happen this year. I mean, obviously, that's why you know, like like a, a Jackson Dart became available last year because they you know felt like they could get Caleb Williams. Um, so maybe we could see some of those those kind of uh, additional dominoes here, but. Um, DJ's DJ and Spencer Sanders are two that it's, it's been very quiet recruitment so far and hard to pinpoint, like, where's the obvious move there? Yeah. You know, I, you know, Utah, I, I think Cam Rising might be coming back, right? I mean, isn't, we, we talked about him possibly coming back for another year. And again, it becomes confusing because with the COVID year, you find yourself thinking like, I can't believe this guy is still playing. Like, I can't believe he's still around. And I don't think Cam football. Rising is coming back. Okay. I'm not. I'm not positive, but, but these are all, these are all interconnected, right? Like that's, and you saw it last year with, um, you know, well, certainly Oregon would be in in the mix for one of these guys. You would think if Bonex wasn't coming back, you saw it last year, Dylan Gabriel committed to UCLA because they weren't sure if DTR was coming back. So like that, all, all these things. uh, And I think Dylan is coming back for Oklahoma. 
I think he still has another is he? year. I guess. There. Yeah, I guess <laughs> but, we'll see. That, but see, that's exactly it. So it's 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 so hard to find. Spots I mean, Nebraska for these took guys. Jeff Sims over the weekend, and Casey Thompson says he's coming back. So it's like there's just some of those you just don't you don't really totally know. Like, all right, so are are some guys going to stay, or some guys going to wait and transfer at the end of the spring? Like, there's just yeah, this a lot a, of moving pieces here. This is a fun game to continue playing here because you start running through like. Well, Cincinnati's got Evan Prather, who played in the bowl game, and and I think they think very highly of him. But again, that doesn't necessarily matter because it also you're you're constantly sort of weighing the days of oh we have this guy and he's a four star and or a high three star and we like his ceiling and we're gonna ride into like like I just don't think coaches unless you really love your guy I I, I think everything is on the table. Yeah, I mean you you've got to win right away now. Obviously, that's there's there's not as much patience for um for struggling in year one, and and like Cincinnati's an example where you've got a new staff in there, and um you know they they're not necessarily tied to the guys who are there. So yeah, you you, you do see plenty of that. You see plenty of new staffs coming into situations and feeling like they've got to take a guy like I mentioned with Nebraska just to um you know just to try to feel like they they improve the position. Yeah, and, and again, the other the the next wave too of quarterbacks. You know, I look at again. You hear a lot of like, well, watch out for this guy, watch out for that guy. You know, is Kansas going to be able to keep Jalen Daniels happy there? I mean, you're in Big Twelve country. I know you you're really plugged into that conference. Are, are they confident Jalen Daniels will continue to be their quarterback <laughs> next year? Well, the one you heard on him was UCLA, and UCLA ended up doing doing just fine with him. So I I, I think uh, cautiously optimistic is probably how <laughs> everybody feels about the quarterback they have coming back for for next year. But um, you know, there's 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 plenty of other guys on the market here: Graham Mertz, uh, Keaton Slovis, Luke Altmeyer, um, you know, Hank Bachmeyer still out there. Like there's there's a bunch of guys with with starting experience that you can go get right now, and so. I'm I'm just I'm always so interested in like like I mentioned like a place like Oregon State like how do you make that decision and you got to make it very quickly obviously on on who's the the right kind of guy uh, to to bring in for a visit and 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 you know hopefully uh, lead you to a lot of wins next year. I also do wonder if when we pull back after this year again because Caleb had set a new bar and we see that and I think a lot of fans fans also by the way are totally like. The new guy. We just the new guy is going to be new awesome. Is better. New is new, always better. New is yeah. always better. That, that's at every level of sport, and now it's just coming into uh, it's just coming into college as college embraces free agency. And I do wonder if when we're going to look back next year, we're going to basically see like there was a lot of like uh, musical chairs where where we shuffled a lot of these pieces around. But none of them made that big of a difference, right? Like, like there was just a lot of shuffling of pieces on the board. And, you know, players played well and players were what they what they have been and teams had good seasons. But you found yourself thinking like, you know, if everybody just stayed where they were, I don't know if anything would have been different. (laughs) But (laughs) there's just enough. There's there's just enough, whether it's, um, you know, whether it's Jaden Daniels going to LSU or Michael Penix going to Washington. No doubt. There's there's just enough examples to say maybe we're one guy away from being awesome next year. That's a good point. I'm probably over overstating the idea that like there was not that many impact guys because you're right because you will there will be a like Bo Nix for example. There will also be a few guys that maybe you know weren't on Max Olson's top ten. Or in Max Olson's top <laughs> right. ten, that end up. I mean, Austin Reed at Western Kentucky had a, had an awesome year. I mean, there's there's some of those yeah. kind of guys, but then there's also like the JT Daniels, where you're you're like, we really hope this guy makes his two to three wins better, and that that doesn't doesn't always work out that way. Don't poke fun at me for being a gadget guy. You want lemon zest? I've got a zester. Gapping spark plugs? Let me grab my spark plug gauge. And for sure, I'm a Regions app guy when I need to check balances, deposit checks, make transfers, or make an appointment. Regions tech is always at my fingertips. You need anytime access to your accounts. Regions gets it. So switch to Regions Life Green Checking for our highly rated app, online tools, and personal service that helps you live in the moment. Visit Regions.com to learn more. Regions Bank member FDIC, equal housing lender. All right. So last year, um, I don't, I don't want to say you discovered Jared Verse because you 
you, you didn't. It was coaches who discovered him and his name got out there. <laughs> that was not me. I, I should give the disclaimer. I am not a talent evaluator. I'm not I'm not in there breaking down the tape, Ralph. Right. But nonetheless, I think you brought him uh, to the to the, to the uh, conscious of a lot of college football fans who were like, oh, wow, there's this kid at Albany who's pretty amazing and he's going to Florida State and he was a big deal in the portal. Um, I think we have this year's Jared Verse. Um and uh, I, I'm just excited because he's a kid from New York City uh, who plays at Rhode Island. So give us give us this year's Jared Verse, the the FCS player who is getting a lot of attention from a lot of big time FBS schools. Yeah, AJ Cornelius, an offensive tackle from Rhode Island. By the way, Ralph, these these New York kids just having a hard time getting looks. Yeah, well, no, well listen. That's a long story. It's for another podcast. <laughs> another a, pod- a long diversion. Yeah, there. another yeah. podcast that would be kind of boring. <laughs> but like, listen, we just don't do high school football here in New York. It's never. It's always been that way. So yes, there are players who can play here, but they just haven't gotten the exposure and the coaching. Yeah, for sure. So um, Bruce Feldman wrote a great piece on him last week. This is a, a, a no star recruit from Harlem who, um, he, you know, he is a six five, three hundred five pound offensive tackle. Uh, a first team all CAA guy uh, as a sophomore and and you know when when intriguing offensive linemen that have some playing experience that have uh, good good measurables and stuff when they hit the portal um they they become very popular and very well known very very quickly and so AJ Cornelius is is a guy that um you know he's I think he's going going to benefit from from getting to be you know in a power 5 strength program and stuff like that but he's he's had some flashes you know he got to play against Jared Verse um, when when versus at Albany, he got to play against Pitt this year and had a good game and, and put some good, really good stuff on tape there that that put him on the radar of Power Five coaches during the season here. And so since he went in, um, as a guy that has just completely, you know, he's really blown up and loaded up on offers, and he's going to announce his decision Wednesday night. Uh, he the the four that he took visits to were. Ohio State, Tennessee, Oregon, and Nebraska, and so that's a guy that can kind of can kind of pick his school in some ways. Um, I you know I think that just like with Jared Verse, yeah, there's there's a transition you got to make there. Um, but uh, and and you know maybe with a pass rusher, you feel like it's a little bit more of a sure thing than with an offensive tackle and adjusting to this game. But I, I think AJ Cornelius is a name to know um, who's going to make someone very happy on Wednesday. And um, you would think a guy like that has a, has a chance to to start right away and. Uh, Probably some adjustment to do, but uh, he's a really talented player. Okay, I want to point out one more guy on your list, and if you if, you know subscribe to the Athletic, go read Max's list um, because I think it's an interesting conversation that you and I have had a little bit, and I'm trying to flesh it out, almost talk out a, a story idea. And I'm looking at okay. Tommy Tommy Brockermeyer, who's an Alabama offensive lineman. He was like a five star recruit. A big deal. He was a big deal recruit, and he is going into the portal. This is after his first season, right? Like he was a freshman this year at Alabama. If I'm he, he was a he was a redshirt freshman this year. Oh, he was a redshirt. Okay, okay. Thank you. So uh, correcting me on that. So, so, two, so two years in the program at Alabama. So a monster recruit who has never really gotten traction at Alabama, right? I mean, at Alabama, if you're good enough, they'll play you as a freshman, and they have they have a history of playing even offensive linemen as freshmen and, and redshirt freshmen. So I'm not saying the kid. It isn't good enough, but he is an interesting type of prospect to me because I I I wonder I, I'm going to be interested in when I have some time after the season to look back at the transfers who were successful and the category is highly touted recruit was not very productive at his first start at his, at his original school bounced to another school and became productive. I think that is the market because most likely that's a player who's mo- who's probably going to transfer down. Now, if you're at Alabama, almost everything is down. But I think the schools that are able to, as one coach put it to me, we couldn't recruit this kid out of high school. He wouldn't give us the time of day. Yeah, But yeah. now we can go back and try to find those four and five stars who maybe weren't knuckleheads or they were just way overrated there's still a good player in there but for whatever reason he didn't succeed at his last school so I'm interested to see where Brockermeyer lands and players like him who have the pedigree but not the production and what schools are good at taking the pedigree and finding the production 
Yeah, it's it's so Tommy Brockermeyer is one. This the, he was you know a five star recruit, number six overall in his class in twenty four seven composite. Um, a big recruiting win for them over over Texas and in a lot of schools. And there's a couple couple angles to that. Now, now obviously there's there's examples of guys like, like certainly Drew Sanders was unbelievable at Arkansas this year, and you kind of saw that coming just based on the little moments he had at Alabama mm-hmm. and when he was behind some very good pass rushers. You knew that that like he he'd shown more certainly at, at Alabama than, than Tommy Brockermeyer got a chance to do it uh, in in his two seasons uh, in Tuscaloosa. Only played you know he redshirted his first year. He only played 19 snaps this year. You know at right tackle they're starting J.C. Latham, who's uh, a, a five star ranked even higher than Tommy Brockermeyer. At left tackle they took Tyler Steen, the transfer from Vanderbilt, um, which pro- you know probably was surprising to some of these guys that were highly touted guys coming in that. Felt like they they could be the next starting you know left tackle or right tackle at Alabama. Part of it is you are going to these places where you know what Alabama can do for you in terms of your development and and getting drafts and all that kind of stuff. But they are constantly trying to recruit over you mm-hmm. and constantly trying to find somebody better. And you know that you you're trying they're trying to get you to their standard. But if there is somebody better out there you know, what tackle wouldn't want to go to Alabama, right? And so, like, I, I think that it, it can be appealing to go there because you feel like it's the best move for your career. But, yeah, one or two years into it, you might say, well, wait a minute. The the way for me to really get noticed is to be on the field, and I am not on the field at this place. And there's, there's you know, certainly been some success stories of guys that, you know, bided their time and, and you know, year three, year four, they broke into the starting lineup at Alabama and got drafted and all that. I'm not saying those don't happen, but certainly at that one year mark, that two year mark, when you're in a program like Alabama, you're, you're saying, well, how do, how do I break through here? How do I actually get on the field? And, and, you know, it's, it's obviously for everybody else, it's hard to assess. Okay. Is that because of um, things he's lacking that he, he wasn't able to play for exactly, them or exactly. is it, you know, clearly just guys being ahead of him. Right. And so it's an interesting evaluation for these schools. Certainly they're always happy to take a risk on a guy that, uh, you know, the whole world thought was a five-star back in the day. And, you know, for a Tommy Brockermeyer, you would think these are the kind of players that, you know, tend to come back to TCU or SMU and have really good careers. And, you know, Sonny Dykes, when he was at SMU and, and now doing it at TCU, like they really feast on that, on, on on finding these guys who want to come back closer to home, who want to, you know, get a lot more playing time than the place that they thought they should go to. And uh, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him end up at a place like, like TCU, which is obviously uh, an, an attractive place to go to right now where, you can get on the field and be a, a real like you know it's kind of like the the um you know big fish small pond kind of thing right like right. You, maybe you can go to go to a place like TCU and and you are instantly um you know an upgrade for them over who they've got coming back i don't know the situation there with their tackle spots but yeah and um, and they you know, have the, the time and they have the time and the and the roster construction to essentially give you a little time to grow uh, you know that that almost sounds like you know. Well, you're not good. It's a you're not good enough for Alabama. Give you everything you're looking for, right? You know? not... and, that, and so that makes sense why these guys make these moves because a lot of times I, I know there's coaching changes. I know there's NIL stuff. There's all these things, but playing time is still I feel like the number one thing driving these decisions for these yeah. guys uh, in in wanting more of it. Whether it's going to um, you know going to a group of five school or an FCS school or it's just a guy like him that that hasn't really uh you know maybe had his opportunity to show what he can do yet. NIL is going to be a super important piece but the fact of the matter is as we said earlier, you know, your future in the NFL is going to be worth a lot more than any NIL deal if you have a good future, right? And and yep. all of these players and I know sometimes we poo-poo this as fans to a certain degree and say, "Well, that guy's not Hey man, there's a lot of guys in the NFL who've had excellent long and lucrative careers who were fourth round draft picks, fifth round draft picks, who you saw, who you college football fan, you know, had on your team and thought, eh, that's just a guy like he's no big, he's no big deal. And then and not even that they become stars in the NFL, but they become legitimate veteran longtime NFL players. And that's sort of the goal that these kids are searching for. And you need a platform that allows you to show your stuff to do that. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. Being, being the backup else. at Alabama for, for two, three years is not, 
not really putting you on the path to that second contract in the league, you know, and, and, for and, some of these guys. And, and, what, and, and it just depends on the position coach and the depth and all that kind of stuff. But you, when you go into these highly competitive places, you, you have to kind of know that's what you're signing up for. And you either rise to the challenge or, you know, if, if they don't, if they don't think that, that you're a guy they can, they can put out there, then maybe you do need to make a change. And, and honestly, Ralph, a thing, a thing that is a truism that does dictate a lot of stuff here with the transfer portal and these transactions Honestly, and, and I'm and I'm not saying this about Tommy Brockermeyer or any of these guys, but truly, like one man's trash is a lot of other people's treasure in this sport. Right, right, right. And that, you're right. And I'm not. We're not necessarily calling the players trash. I'm not calling just, any of these kids trash, but I think but there's in difference a, a guy in, that can't get on the field at Alabama can be really successful at a lot of other places. Precisely. Okay, so Max, you're not a recruiting guy. You're a portal guy, and you're a national college football writer. But let's. Let's the two of us who are not recruiting guys just talk recruiting for a second here, because we talk a lot about NIL and how, you know, it's it's a it's the wild, wild west. And, you know, people are buying players and I'm not naive. I understand all that. It exists. Hey, we've got Devin Leary to Kentucky while we're taping this. Oh wow, there you go. So there you go. The dominoes are starting to fall here. Devin, right? When that that became apparent a couple of weeks ago, but then there was Auburn coming in, and that maybe could have changed the directions. So I don't want to keep you much longer because I know once. Okay, when, sorry. Back to recruiting. Let's yeah, go. when a major thing ha- when a major thing happens in the portal, Max has to spring into action. I guess my point is, you have these. You have this talk about how NIL is going to change the sport in in a dramatic way, and it certainly has. And and we're buying players, and it's the wild wild west. And I look at this year's recruiting rankings, and number one is Georgia. Number one is Alabama. Number two is Georgia. Number three is Miami. That's a little bit of an outlier, but quite frankly, not crazy outlier because Miami has had top five recruiting classes over the last few years. They just haven't had to be able to stack them. Number four is Texas. Number five is LSU. Number six is Notre Dame. Number seven is Ohio State. Now, Ohio State's a little low, but their their commitments are also a little low. If you just take the average, and by the way, I'm using 24-7's composite, if you just take the average ranking of their recruit, they would actually be number three behind Alabama and Georgia, to which I say all of this is like, people told me things would change, Max, and I don't see a lot of change here. I see the same schools doing well in recruiting. That is that is true. I think that um, <laughs> I, I I think like you can see. Sure, there is some some collective influence in in who is in the top ten right now. Um, and I think that like Miami being at number three, no I'm, doubt. I'm sure John Ruiz would like to take some credit for that, right? Yes. In terms of um, and and the folks that they've got there, in terms of I like helping them win some really competitive, really important battles for guys like Cormani McLean or Samson Okunlola or, um, you know, these, these players that you feel like can, can make a, make a huge difference for, I mean, the, the state of Florida alone was so fascinating to watch in recruiting this year because you had Florida, Miami and Florida state really going head to head on a lot of these guys. And, and especially Miami and Florida obviously. seem to be getting into massive yes. tussles, which of course resulted in like every time one chose Miami over Florida, the uh, one chose one over the other, the opposing fans would talk about how that school bought a player and yes, and, that's right. And it seems like they're both doing fine with NIL. I don't know. I mean, maybe just it, it was just it was just a strange, a strange bit of mudslinging. How like, oh man, that guy flipped because you paid him. Well, what about the guy yeah, we I, flipped? I, I think, <laughs> according to the internet, every single player who decommitted during this 23, uh, 2023 recruiting cycle decommitted because they got paid. I'm right. pretty sure the internet is is confident in saying that. Right. 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 Yeah, it's just it's just strange. And again, like, you know, Texas AM right now is number fifteen. Now again, AM's got a relatively small number of commits. I would assume they could surge into the top ten by the time they load up their class a little more. We also now have to start. And they're they're in the mix on some transfers too. Um, so we, so I, I'm sure they will they will hit that uh, hit the portal in terms of of upgrading some spots. But no, your your point is your point is right. It's it's the usual suspects, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I, that's why I, again I, to a certain degree I, I tend to try to be the voice of reason in college football, which is not a reasonable place to be the voice of reason because it is completely unreasonable sport uh, in many ways. But I just find myself uh, there's a lot of panic. And a lot of gnashing of teeth and lamentations. And I do find myself wondering, like, 
I don't know. Like, I know things are changing. And maybe in some ways the changes are going to be good because maybe it does thin out the talent a little bit and pushes a few of these fives and fours to some different schools because, hey, I can get a little extra money at this school. And, and maybe yep. that would be good for college football in the long run. Maybe it would it would it would decrease some of the clustering that we have at Alabama, Georgia and Ohio State and maybe a handful of other schools that seem to get all the fours and fives. So, uh, you know, again, I know well, hey, things look, are changing. TCU is number 16 right now in these rankings, and TCU's never come close to that before. Yeah. So certainly, like, the on-field success can still can still catapult you um, higher up this list. But uh, there, there's there. I will say there, there is, to me, as much as other people want to pop up collectives and, and try to get, catch up and stuff, there is a, a pretty small number of schools, and you can – you can quibble over who's on that list and, and kind of who belongs on it and who doesn't. But there is a small list of schools that that I think it can really um, be in the game here on, on NIL stuff. And everybody else just kind of has to find a way to uh, to hold on to their guys and try to continue to win with relationships. Yeah. And I do think there's still a lot of, of players who are making those decisions based on, hey, you know, a better path to the NFL. I'm a little more comfortable with the school. My family I know I'm going to get money eventually, right? I was talking to somebody who runs an Ohio State collective, and they were talking about how this year's class, every member of that year's class is going to walk through the door with with some kind of NIL deal. They will have access to an NIL deal once they get onto campus, and maybe it's $75,000, and that's a way to sort of launch yourself. So I think that there are some who are like, listen, I'll get there. I'll have some money when I get there. And... Well, and I, I know there'll be more available to me later. So I think there are kids making those decisions too. Uh, I don't know. I just think that we are we are living through evolution, and I think there's a lot of folks who want to make definitive statements about how things are how things will be going forward, uh, based on what, the way things are going right now. That I think are being made um, too soon. I, I think that they're jumping to conclusions about where we are now. Uh, while we, the whole we're, thing we're just is still in the early iterations of all this NIL stuff, exactly you know? NIL and portal. And so the, the combination of NIL get... and portal is is transforming yeah. the way rosters are constructed. Yeah, that, we're we're still in the early stages here, and there's an opportunity for some people to get ahead of others um, because it is still new to people. But I, even the portal stuff is is fast evolving in terms of the processes these staffs are using and. You know, everyone everyone iterates and, and gets better at this stuff. And and in some cases, I'm sure that will be the case with spending on high school recruits that and, and not to say that that didn't happen in the past. Obviously, I'm not going to be naive and say that nobody ever got it back in recruiting before the NIL era. But, um, you know, even even that, like you think people are, um, you know, these 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 fat contracts for guys that you hope will stick with you for three, four years. Like we'll, we'll see over these next few years what the payoff is on that. But. In a lot of cases, um, if your if your house is not in order, then your your you know money is not going to solve these problems. Max Olson is the portal authority for the Athletic. He is also a friend, and he's a great dude. Uh, Max, thank you so much for taking some time this week to, uh, to you know, get us up to date on what's going on in the portal. Uh, happy holidays to you and your little one. Hope Theo's doing great. And hey, man, hopefully we'll uh, run into each other at a playoff game at some point. Sounds good, man. Always a pleasure. And now three and out. First down. Folks, I have a take. Criticizing football players for opting out of bowl games is no longer socially acceptable. You might do it, but if you do, you're kind of a jerk. Think about it. Who are you to tell someone that he should risk millions of dollars in a future dream career just so you can be better entertained? Most reasonable people now understand why players do this and don't get bothered when it happens. But there is a new way to throw shade at those who decide not to play, and that's by effusively praising, almost to the point of canonization, those who do. I am very happy that Bryce Young and Will Anderson have decided to play in the Sugar Bowl for Alabama. Why? Because selfishly, I want that game to be more entertaining. I enjoy watching these players play. Kansas State is a good team that expects to have all of its best players for the game. The Sugar Bowl will be better for me if more of the best players play. So I am fortunate 
that what they have determined to be best for them is also best for me. But if you're out here celebrating Young and Anderson's decision by telling me that they are finishing their careers the quote-unquote right way, you're also more than implying that the other way is the wrong way. There is no right way or wrong way when it comes to these decisions. And when we celebrate players playing, mostly what we're celebrating is the fact that we get to watch a more entertaining and interesting football game. Second down, happy holidays to everyone. Third down, and a very Merry Christmas to all. That is the show for today. I'd like to thank my producer, John Radcliffe, for making me sound good. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, just about anywhere you like to get your pods. Please follow so you do not miss an episode. I'm Ralph Russo, the college football writer with the Associated Press. Thanks for listening, and come back for more next week of the AP Top 25 College Football Podcast next week, the Playoff Preview.